0: Them with things that are much more decentralized and much more effective and much more personalized. Um, at least that's the hope.
1: I mean, I think I think it's a an illusion of power. I really believe the power resides with the people, and like, I'm, and that's internationally. Like, if everybody says no, like, with the whole, like, for an example with the mask. Like, if you walk into a place and they, you know, say put on your mask, which was, you know, reminds me of. Quite honestly, like 1930s when you had to wear something out. Like I really, it's very similar. It's like a sign almost. It's not for health purposes, but you say no, I don't have one, and you have to. And then after 50 people come in and they all say no, and they have to run for another mask, they're gonna ah oh, forget it, just let it go. That the power really resides in the people, and we just need to have the courage to stand up. And 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 people don't, especially in the West. I mean, a good a good indication of how information technology is used for totalitarian purposes is China. I mean, it's a very good example with AI and them, you know, chaos, but people don't want that here. They've given us too many, as George Colin would say, privileges, not freedom, uh, too many privileges. And then they take two and give one back and say, we're back to normal. Um, but uh, uh, I, I just think that we are, um, we're at a very interesting point. And I think that perhaps we're, you know, uh, well here, I think a lot of the institutions, like we talk about the FDA or FDA, have been, it's just regulatory capture. Like you've had, you've had these, you have big pharma that have have captured these, these institutions that are there to protect the people. And now they're there to protect the corporation. And so the only thing between, you know, you used to be the FDA was there between the kids and then big pharma to protect it. And we kind of lost that. And so I guess um it's, it's in terms of the FDA, what what would you suggest is either a good starting point or how would you start fixing that institution? Because I feel like that's the one of the biggest ones we need to reorganize, adjust, change, because that is a very important structure that we need.
0: In the FDA uh, is too close to pharma. Uh, a f- pretty significant chunk of its funding comes from pharmaceutical company user fees. That that needs to change. I think
1: it's 40%, oh, something like yeah, that. It's
0: pretty It's pretty high. I, I don't know the exact number, but it's it's high. Um, and uh, there's, a, there's like a revolving door. So like the former head of the FDA, uh, Scott Gottlieb, uh, is now a Pfizer advisor, right? You, you just can't have, you just can't have that. You have to have an independent regulatory authority for, for people to trust it. Um, uh, and and if you, actually, if you look, uh, the 21st Century Cures Act, it raised the salaries of the FDA f- uh, uh, bureaucracy pretty sharply, and yet you still have this revolving door. There needs to, if you're gonna if you're gonna raise the salaries like that uh, outside of what the uh, the the GSA system says, um, then you have to impose uh, corresponding uh, restrictions on what can happen after you leave the FDA, right? So you shouldn't hope for a pharma job after you leave the FDA um, or pharma board, right? I think I think you really need to if you're gonna have a regulatory regulator, a re- regulator um, you have to have the not just the perception of independence. From the, the groups that it's regulating, but at the actual independence. Um, you know, I I worked for the with the FDA uh, in, in vaccine and drug safety for a long time. It's been heartbreaking to watch um, what's happened there. Um, you know, you had two very prominent people in vaccine safety, uh, Marion Huber and uh, 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 Krauss. I forget his first name. Um, b- resigned over the booster, over the the, the adult booster. That almost that's a big deal if you have the, the, these two regulators saying look this is not uh fit for purpose um and uh they've got almost no no play in the mainstream class you have, so they're like and they seem like heroes to me they're trying of like tell the public this is not right um the, the, my, it doesn't meet our normal standards uh, the FDA needs to be thoroughly reformed from the inside out
1: so and then the the last thing I'll touch on is because it has to do with the FDA is the more and more that you learn or look at data about the vaccines, are you, cause you have people like Dr. Maholtra in the UK saying, let's stop it. And let's at least, you know, we need to just reevaluate it further. There needs just to be more, you know, especially when it comes to children. Do you, are you getting more concerned as time goes on? Or do you have kind of the same outlook on it as maybe a year ago?
0: I mean, I think if you look at uh, what's happened with the, uh, with the child vaccine, there's been almost no uptake. Like the toddler vaccine, right? like like one or two percent of of the uh, of the of parents that actually use the vaccine, they're, they're more sensible than the FDA, I think, or the CDC. Because <laughs> I mean, the reason is simple. What you have is uh, a disease that doesn't really isn't the primary threat the children face, not even close. And you have a vaccine that you know it's, I think it's safe enough, but it still has some side effects especially in young men, this myocarditis risk, it seems kind of too high. Why give it? What's the purpose of giving it? Um, It doesn't stop transmission. Um, And so uh, a lot of parents have seen that and just are not listening to the CDC. And the CDC has gotten more and more desperate as as that's gone on. But I I think the problem is the CDC really needs to align its recommendations with reality. It's lost trust. The people have lost trust in the CDC and they're not listening to it because the CDC is not following basic uh, principles for deciding whether to recommend a, a product for different populations. For Are people, you
1: noticing that loss of trust everywhere? Like as you travel and talk to other people, is that kind of consent? Is that the real
0: consensus? I mean, people vote with their feet, right? So like you look at the, the, the BA four or five booster in California, only about 15% of people have opted that booster. Despite tremendous okay. propaganda by the FDA, by the CDC to push it, um, the FDA approved that booster on the basis of no human data—the BA45 booster on on, on mice data alone—and um, so and people just don't trust it. That, that you can you can have the CDC yell as loud as they want, but unless it's actually based on good science, that recommendation people are going to tune them out. And, and that's didn't all the mice
1: get COVID by the way in that study? Mice,
0: yeah, they can get COVID. <laughs> mice COVID, cats, dogs, white-tailed deer. The, you know, I saw a dolphin. Some someone report that dolphin got COVID? I mean, it's, yeah.
1: Oh, the, don't, we don't know how smart they are. Dolphins could be super smart. We don't know. But uh, <laughs> the, the only, which makes it very confusing with the mandates, because the only reason a government should intervene for a mandate is if you have something that does stop transmission of a potential That makes sense. I get it. But <clears> since <throat> when does a government step in and say, we're mandating this because we don't want your symptoms to be as bad?
0: I mean, it's, it's, it makes no sense, right? So, like, even even if you've stopped transmission, if you have a trustworthy public health, then you have a mandate. People just listen to it, right? So, like, you know, Sweden, there's no mandate, but very high uptake of the original series because um, they were telling people, you know, especially if you're older, it's really important to get it, and here's why. And people trust the Swedish uh, public health authority. And so they did it. Uh, the, uh, when you have a mandate for a product like this, that is an indicator of failure of the public health agency. That means that people don't trust the public health agency, and so the agency then turns to coercion to get its way. It's a big mistake, because it's not just this vaccine that matters. There's a whole range of other vaccines and other health advice that matter. And when you lose trust, that extends outside of the product that you're coercing to other other products that require trust. My right, son, and- uh, I've seen numbers that suggest that uh, childhood vaccination rates have, have fallen. Um, during the pandemic, that's a that's a disaster. I but mean, it makes like,
1: sense though, because they're like, oh, it, 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 it's getting people to question everything. Because if someone is consistently not being honest with you, you're going to question everything they've ever told you. So it's not surprising. But like, do you? It's very important to 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 get trust back into public health. What you know, I, the question is: is public health the way it's structured now? Is it is it even is it possible to put trust back into those? Is it even even like I look at the mainstream media? Is it even possible to regain trust in those? I think it's over for them. Like I, I don't, I don't know how you how you gain trust of the people again.
0: I, I mean, um, American public health is in a very bad state. Right? I mean, it, there's a broad perception on the right that the public health authorities don't aren't, aren't are, are looked down on the right. Right? So you have half the population that think that that public health is against them. Um, and you know what? Most of people that work in public health are on the left, on the far left. And they do look down on people on the right. Um, you have to have a public health. I mean, the idea I've been playing around with is this idea of, of, of essentially political celibacy. If you enter public health, that you can have, I guess you can have a political opinion, but you keep it to yourself because you're trying to like, it's not like politics. You're not trying to reach, you know, half the population plus one, uh, you're trying to reach 99%, 95% of the population.
1: Like the and fact we're talking left and right in the same discussion as public health makes no sense to me.
0: I mean, remember during the pandemic, you had like some motorcycle rally in in uh, the Dakotas um, and there's like all this like, you know, uh, wailing and gnashing of teeth saying, oh my God, they're doing a super spreader event. And then you have like these huge um, BLM protesting riots, uh, and they're like, oh, no, it's fine. This is important for public health that people are willing to say these things. You know, I, people notice these things. Like, you just, you just, it doesn't, it's not like people are dumb. Um, they look and say, okay, why, in one case, are you really upset? In the other case, which looks similar, are you just fine? It's, it's very clearly political. Um, and you, people lose trust as a result of it. I, I think that's what's happened in pa- the pandemic. Um, public health needs to be redone from the inside out. And, and rebuilt on a, on a much more equal basis, one that uh, reflects the population at large rather than um, sees itself as above the population.
1: So, so you're telling me studies didn't show that the virus stops at BLM riots, but doesn't stop at other riots?
0: I, I mean, it doesn't spread outdoors very efficiently, anyways. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't? Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I just I think I think uh, the, the fact that people were uh, were exercised about about uh the the, uh george floyd i mean that is completely reasonable those there was a good reason to be exercised about it Uh, you absolutely should be allowed to protest that even in the middle of a pandemic the the reason that people that that the fact that people were exercised about lockdowns or suppression of their freedom to 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 associate that also something that's completely reasonable like public health has to to uh accept that that the public has uh, its own set of values and rather than trying to impose Public health values on the population. It should design advice that's consonant with the values that people that people have. Um, I think that's really the fundamental issue.
1: So this is kind of a weird question, Uh, but uh, so you're you have kids. I'm I'm going to be a father soon, and I'm curious. Thank you, and uh, I I'm wondering. um, I don't even know if you consider yourself speaking out. Like this was never. You probably never wanted to be in the public sphere, like like you are, right? And likewise, I guess. Uh, it is a reason why you're, you know, I guess talking loudly or spreading the out me- or trying to at least make a difference. Like, is it, is a lot of, is some of it at least because looking at the future of the, of your kids and like, you know, having the freedoms that you had, like, is that, is that a, is that a, a primary reason at all? Or is it just, this is what I have to do. It's my job.
0: Well, it's, it's a little bellicine. I, mean, I, I do think, um, my kids, uh, they, they weren't hurt as much as they might, might otherwise have been, because my wife and I were able to help, um, but they weren't hurt. There's no, and it didn't, they didn't need to be. Um, and I think uh, well, that's true for so many kids. Uh, I did find myself in this weird place because I had this background that seemed more or less, you know, spot on for the, I, I am an epidemiologist, right? So I, I it kind it, <laughs> I of, could, I, could, I could speak up, but I'm also a econ- health economist. I'm also a, a, doc- a doctor. Um, You put me in this place where I kind of had to speak up. Otherwise, what's my career for? Um, So it was a little, a little of both. I I don't know if I would have been quite as loud. I mean, I really am quite upset what we did to our children and what what we did to the poor.
1: Yeah, I I agree. The the fact that we don't talk about just the repercussions of the lot that are still being felt in many. You know, we're really we have a weird lens in you know, and especially in the United States, which is we don't you know, even the poor here, it's d- very different across the world where people do live off two dollars a day. I mean, hundreds of millions of people and like the UN has reported, you know, starvation spiking up again for the first time in forever. And usually we've lifted people out of poverty. Now it's going the opposite way. And then there's chaos in the world and everything else. So it- it's something we need to talk about. But then the last thing is, um, going forward, changing things. You've, uh, you're starting to put together some ethical principles, right? Can you talk a little bit about yeah, that sure. and, um, and why that's so, important?
0: So, um, I've helped found this organization called the, uh, the the Academy for Science and Freedom, and uh, one of the first things we did is we put out a, a set of ten ethical principles uh, of public health. Uh, the, the academy is located in Hillsdale College, uh, co-founded with uh, Scott Atlas of uh, Stanford and Martin Kulldorff uh, formerly of Harvard. Um, and the idea is here. Let me just read them to you, Jonathan. I, let's see if you disagree with any of I suspect you might <laughs> like these. Um, one. All public health advice should consider the impact on overall health, rather than solely be concerned with a single disease. It should always consider both benefits and harms from public health measures and weigh short-term gains against long-term harms. Terrible. Uh,
1: <laughs> no, I very, I very much agree.
0: I mean, you know, I, I, I recognize it's kind of a fringe idea. Oh, let's let's <laughs> cut down.
1: It's so crazy how obvious it is, yet the fact that it's like a it's so bizarre it's so weird it's a weird world we're living in. but yes very much agree go on
0: two public health is about everyone any public health policy must first and foremost protect society's most vulnerable including children low-income families persons with disabilities and the elderly it should never shift the burden of disease from the affluent to the less affluent
1: especially children
0: especially children um three public health advice should be adapted the needs of each population within cultural, religious, geographic, and other contexts. Right? Uh, we don't rule in public health; we serve. Isn't that four. how
1: it's supposed to be now?
0: Yeah, isn't it's that technically outset that. up? <laughs> that's yeah. how I thought. That's how I always thought about public health before the pandemic. But it's clear that there's so many of my colleagues don't think of it that way. Wow. Um, four. Public health is about comparative risk evaluation, risk reduction, and reducing uncertainties using the best available evidence. Since this can usually, usually be entirely eliminated, you have to accept that in the midst of a, uh, a pandemic like this, you really shouldn't think to yourself, "I can protect everybody," when it's not possible. And the right. act of protecting everybody, what you're doing, is harming many people.
1: But but also that your your decision, you can change as you get more data, as more you know information comes in, you can change course, you can make a different decision that maybe was the opposite. You might get it wrong, you know. As long as you're consistently going towards the same goal of doing what's best for the majority of the population, or if that's the way best way to word
0: it, yeah, or with, with along with the other these other principles, protecting children and so on. Right. I think uh, it's complicated. It's always going to be this art, right? It's never going to be so clean because uh, the societies are complicated. Public health comp- health is complicated. Um, you're going to have to make trade offs. This is part of and parcel of public health and you have to be honest with people look we got this wrong here the data are different now and here's why the data, how the data are really different this is why we changed our mind right i mean that that, that kind of thing goes a long way uh, just
1: doing that just doing that by just saying you know what we were wrong i'm sorry we're going to do it. that in itself that little correcting course of that it <laughs> would restore so much trust and faith and everything into the it, it, it's, it's wild. Like there used to be, I, I've heard back in the day, there used to be like CEOs that would make an intent I think it was Boeing made an intentional mistake mistake to come out in public and say, I'm sorry, we did it wrong to correct it. And then the stock soared because the trust got so it's very similar though. It's very similar.
0: Yeah. Well, they shouldn't make intentional mistakes, but yeah, apply yeah. that. You know um, what I mean? Five, uh, public health requires public trust, public health recommendations should present facts, as the basis for guidance and never employ fear or shame, to swear, or manipulate the public. That, by the way, is a shocking thing that we did. We what? essentially created this class of people that were unclean from the beginning. Like, you know, essential, non-essential. Then, like, you got COVID because you were care- weren't careful, uh, you were careful and didn't get COVID. Uh, you were vaccinated, unvaccinated, masked, unmasked. Uh, you know, uh, in each of these steps, we created an outcast a set of people that should be shamed and pushed and pushed away to the edge to the fringe. Right. Um, and shame them. We weaponized empathy to like get compliance with, with orders. The young people to protect
1: grandma and all that stuff. The only time I can remember, you know, a part of society to unclean, I, 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 listen, I hate making comparisons like that, but like the only time I remember that happening, at least knowing history is, Nazi Germany, like that's kind of what happened. It's bizarre, but I, I mean, mean, it's what actually.
0: Happened. I think it's beyond. I think it's it's in the human <coughs> spirit to do that. Unfortunately, Jonathan. Right there's a caste system in India. There's a there's a uh, oh, you know, racial racial animus. Um, we have this like and, and is it for, tribal? Yeah, it's tribal, and we have especially for infectious disease, HIV patients, one unclean. Um, you, we have built into our psyche this. Desire to be free of infectious disease, like primal fear of it. Um, in, in the West, we sort of thought we conquered it, except for HIV, really. Um, and when this came, ra- we were just not used to being able to, but like, civilization requires, and we push back against that primal instinct to shun the unclean. Civilization requires us to be in contact with one another and not make these clean and unclean distinctions. Um, and I think that that's, that, uh, that we, the public health really, uh, rather than pushing against this primal instinct, uh, exploited it, to try to get, uh, its, its way on, on various policies.
1: And, and, and that makes me think like this, there was never a time. I always thought from the beginning when this was happening, it was like, there's a weird thing going on. This is, a, this is a, like, it, and it, this fear is, is very massive. It's so big, right? That the amount of fear and, and it's, Persistent, it's constant. It's like it was being weaponized, like all the time. And I was like, okay, that's very extreme. There's obviously something strange going on. But um, is the if we're talking about root causes and like the, you know in the human mind, this is just my. I'm curious what you think. Is the re, being this fearful over an infectious disease? Is it ultimately like so scared of this infectious disease, you gotta do everything, like get forget, forget everything else. You gotta protect against this one thing. Is it? Is it? Is that everyone's terrified of dying? Is is there this extreme fear with death? Is that just well, a
0: common? That is, it's terrified of dying of this thing, while allowing dying from a whole bunch of other things. Right. Well, you know, <laughs> cancer that's screen. the cognitive dissonance, right? Yeah. It's so it's it's uh, you when you put in the front of mind this one threat. And I tell you, I think you're right. People are scared of dying. That really do play, but that's that's normal. Right? So the question is like, how do you manage that? Um, if you're if you're a public health uh, authority, you don't exploit it for uh, by by causing fear, like you know, early in the pandemic, they made a virtue out of fear. They said, okay, if you're scared, then you'll you'll social distance, you'll mask, you'll stay home, right? They caused fear in order to get compliance. Um, Six, uh, medical interventions should not be forced or coerced on the population, but rather should be voluntary based on informed consent. Public health officials are advisors, not rule setters, and provide information and resources for individuals to make informed decisions.
1: So that includes actually another thing that you've mentioned many times, which is the separation of duties. Which is, you know, the people who make the rules—the conflict of interest. Doesn't that kind of tie into that?
0: It absolutely does. Yeah. I mean, if you think of yourself as rulers and you have a, you're going to try to get power. If on the other hand, what you're essentially like trusted advisors, you're going to mm-hmm. act very differently. Right. Much more humble. Um, uh, public health seven. Public health authorities must be honest and transparent. Both what is known and what is not known Advice should be evidence-based and explained by data and authorities must acknowledge errors or change in evidence as soon as they are made aware of them.
1: That's the most fringe one on the entire list. Continue.
0: <laughs> and no, no lies either. No noble lies, right? I, I'm not going to yeah. manipulate, tell you a lie so I can manipulate you into like doing something. It's not, there's no such thing as a noble lie. Right? It's just something that mm. demolishes trust.
1: That's pretty profound. Actually, I agree.
0: Um, eight, public health scientists and practitioners should avoid conflicts of interest, and any uh, unavoidable conflict of interest must be clearly stated.
1: That, that, that is, even goes to the, the CDC, the approval for the child immunization. That that, that that leaks into many areas of what's going on right now, don't you think?
0: Yeah, and the FDA, of course. FDA. I, we talked about. I mean, I think a, a lot of what happened during the pandemic can be explained by these conflicts of interest, avoidable I, ones
1: like follow the money is what people say. And and when you talk about the WHO and then you see who they're funded by, and it's the CCP and it's, the Foundation. Not,
0: even, it's not even money. Sometimes it's just power, uh,
1: which is crazy because I could barely manage my own life. I can't believe there's people out there who want to manage billions of people or million or three people. I could barely manage my own life. It's bizarre. Yeah. To me.
0: yeah I don't, I think uh, it's amazing how, uh, I mean, you know, I, I guess that's just a human, again, the human condition This will the power is part of, part of, uh, yeah, I didn't get
1: that chromosome. But go on.
0: <laughs> um, I, I mean, you can tell I'm not particularly. I mean, I'd be perfectly happy to just go back to my quiet life. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't get it either. Um, nine in public health, open, civilized debate is profoundly important. It's unacceptable for public health professionals to censor, silence, or intimidate members of the public or other public health scientists or practitioners. And finally, yeah, I mean, that's been crazy. Every, any anyone that speaks up is a, is is, is, is fringe, right? Even no matter what your credentials. Mm-hmm.
1: Can that be can that reverse course can that be fixed now that like how do you fix that because it's already deplatformed. You're already got you know other view. Well, I think
0: people. I think scientific leaders have a responsibility here, right? So universities need to set standards for um good behavior, um, respectful behavior in science. The expectations about this, like, well, I'm you know, uh, um, we do this with our students, we say, okay. Uh, here's what here's the kind of ethical behavior we expect. You don't cheat on exams and so on. You don't um you know bully people. Um you could make those kinds of same ethical standards in universities. Um and a lot of I mean a lot of universities have just let that go. Um, Is that where you would
1: I, start with academia? Yeah, specifically? I would start academic
0: institutions, you just set expectations for good behavior. I, I can't believe you have to do that, uh, but you clearly do. Um uh, I would have thought adults would, would act up with each other and, and, and sort of but in, in, in ethical way we, we are we are and finally 10 it's critical for public health scientists and practitioners always to listen to the public who are living the public health consequences of public health decisions and to adapt appropriately. we serve mm-hmm. we don't rule
1: and that was totally dismissed not only was that dismissed it was it it was like intentionally avoided
0: yeah you know it's pretty it's pretty shocking
1: but are yeah. you seeing are you are you at least really seeing colleagues or people at other academic institutions starting to kind of be disappointed of what happened to the their profession and, and speak out or be a little more courageous? I don't really know what the word is, but yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh I mean I, I, I do think that I think that there's a, a a much wider set of voices running contrary to a lockdown narrative than there once was. Um you can see it on Twitter, right? So like uh yeah. It's harder for the fear mongers to win. Um, It's harder for the people that are that were uh, sort of uh, looking looking for a or calling for a more militarized public health to win, and a very large number of regular people and scientists starting to speak up. Um, And and I and and I I think think that's a massive
1: number because I think there's a lot of issues with this whole online. Consensus thing. I think a lot are fake. These bots. I think they're trying to push a narrative sort of thing. So if you have this many, it must be overwhelmingly majority of society, in my opinion. What do you think about
0: that? I I completely agree. Um, all of the movement has been in, in the direction of much more reasonable public health. I think. Um, I mean, maybe I I tend to my my friends say I'm overly really optimistic. So maybe that maybe that you just take that with a grain of salt. But I do think that that's true. I I don't think. People have moved in the direction of oh no we need to lock down to go to zero. I mean that that basically has gone as an idea outside of China,
1: right? Yeah, I just want to. I, I think if we just start having more public forums and discussions on this, I think we can, you know, correct the path much faster than people think. I think we're getting. I think it's becoming so consistent and profound, at least online, that it will break through. I don't even know why we call it the mainstream because I feel like the mainstream is now you know, outlets like podcasts and it's, it's, it's totally changed. And I think that majority of the people are watching these different community podcasts and stuff in that it is mainstream technically, meaning the majority of people.
0: I mean, the fringe has become a center, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think, uh, I think the, the thing is that, that the ideas are what matter here. And the ideas that have ruled over the last two and a half years have been bad ideas and people see that they feel in their bones of the bad consequences, it hasn't protected them from COVID and it's decimated all the other priorities in their lives or so many of the other priorities in their lives. It's hurt the, the, the most vulnerable people in our societies. Um, and I, I I don't see how you keep that going Like anything, any set of ideas that has that as its outcome will not last.
1: Agree. And uh, which brings me actually to one last thing I do want to add. So I've never been a, I would never say I have been too religious or, it's a little spiritual but not spiritual and now i'm thinking a lot of what's happened yes there's misuse of science but i i am strongly believing now that a lot of this was able to work because of the lack of spirituality or the lack of religion i don't want to get too deep into that but i you know i know you're a christian and, and you know believe what you believe i'm jewish i think uh i think the lack of spirituality is what per- uh, perpetuated all of this do you think that plays a part in this
0: I do, uh, I do it, but all in a funny way. So I think, like, if you look at the formal behavior of a lot of churches, I have to say I'm quite disappointed. Oh. You know, they, made, they made, the, made a virtue out of social distance, essentially treating others as biohazards um, instead of loving your neighbor. I mean, that, that idea, which I thought was uh, a motivating idea in the in, um, in, uh, christian faith, wasn't, wasn't, like, pushed by so many churches. Um, Whether where loving your neighbor would go, extend beyond infection control, right? right. Uh, um, so I think uh, there is that, but I do think I think a society that is unmoored from some sense of the almighty, so some, some sense of like there's powers uh, outside of us that we are not here simply for ourselves, but to but to, to love one another, to care for one another. Um, societies that ha- are unmoored from that will be more susceptible to this kind of rule by by essentially people who are promising effectively immortality just stay home stay safe um so I think in that sense I agree with you i I think uh, the the uh, the uh, the sort of social immune function um against this kind of charlatanism is is less when People don't have that kind of uh, of, of connection um, to to the religious structures.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, in a, a great book, uh, "The Psychology of Totalitarians by Matthias Desmond, he's the one who talked about mass formation psychosis and whatnot. But he wrote that, he, and he was talking about how peer-reviewed studies have been co-opted for a while, and all this stuff, these issues, and that these great scientists of the past, like the the, the best thinkers of our time. As the more work they did, they almost all came to the conclusion that there is a power that cannot define whatever they were measuring for, and there's like a I don't know a god or some some power in the universe that is bigger than all of us that cannot be explained. They like all were led to that place.
0: I mean, science itself depends on the idea that the wor- the world itself is ordered, right? So that there are rules and laws to be discovered. If you don't have that as a faith, then you can't do science. The world is just chaos. And there's no science, and uh. It's not a accident that um you had an enlightenment happen in a society that was heavily religious. Um I think you have to have some sense of that, that there is an order to the universe in order to truly to to I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily religious. It doesn't mean to have that faith through other other means. Um but faith does help that I think.
1: And I, I think we need it now more than ever about correcting this and making the future better. We need something. Who knows? Something. Who knows? maybe a diet coke whatever but uh <laughs> so but no that that's great so so um so what what um so last thing is um what are what are you going to be doing from you know here on out is it just is it kind of just you know keep continue discussing you know to as many people as possible get the conversations going is there some, what can an everyday person that maybe doesn't have a platform what if they're like, hey, like we realize something's wrong. We feel in our bones, like you said, and we don't want to live this way. We want to be free. I don't know how else to say it, but you know, we want to have good uh, medicine, science. What can we do to help? Like, what, what, what can so- an everyday person do?
0: Uh, I mean, so uh, we're trying. To, uh, so you so asked two questions. So let me just tell you what I'm doing. So I, I I've got uh, uh, this Academy for Science and Freedom of Hillsdale that I've helped found. Uh, and in the U.K., I helped found a charity called Collateral Global. Um, they have sort of overlapping missions. The, the, uh, the, the Collateral Global is to sponsor research on the collateral harms of lockdown in, in, in all its various settings. Um, the, the Academy of Science and Freedom, the two missions. One is to restore open discussion within science, uh, with, with no more fringe center, just open discussion. And then, um, second, to reestablish the proper place of science in society, not as uh, rulers of society, but uh, but as but as advisors of society, um, you know, trusted advisors of society. So th- those are the two primary missions of it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to to uh, use those institutions to make to advocate reforms, um, in, at, at the government level. I I personally would like to go back. I did actually have a research agenda before the pandemic. It would be kind of fun to go back to some of it. I find it hard to concentrate on those things nowadays. So Jay, that's
1: sure. gone. I hope you enjoyed it while it lasted. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe someday. I, mean, I have to say, I don't think the work on the pandemic is done. I don't feel like it's done as yet. Uh, I kind of need to write a little memoir thing, just because I've been, I've seen a lot of really interesting, met a lot of interesting people, and had uh, had a front row seat in, in so much of the policymaking. Um, even though, though I didn't really get my way. Um, write uh,
1: a newsletter. You could do it. You can then it could turn into like a memoir. Do it as you go, mm-hmm. like as you meet someone, you know, and everyone follows it and reads it. I don't know. Just thinking.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm thinking. so uh uh so th- those those are my personal goals. Uh, I have to basically figure out what, I'm, what I want to do with the rest of my life, given given how much my life has changed the last two and a half years. Um, I, I think uh as far as like what regular people can do, you know, uh, I've seen this great movement happen in school boards where parents are now involved and never would have otherwise been involved, saying, "Look, why did you close my schools?" let so here's that here's here's that you know regular people um, who were Trusted these structures, no longer trust them, and now they're getting involved uh, in this sort of participatory democracy, um, which I think is really quite healthy. Um, and I think uh, you know, I think advocating for children, advocating for um, people living in nursing homes—that uh, you know—I've I've I've just seen regular people start to speak up and say, "Look, no, this isn't right." And uh, an enormous movement, I think, is built around that. Um, and so, I think that, that that's that's the key thing um, is to tell the people who made these decisions, that they they, uh, they they need to go back and rethink them. And then if you you have the capacity to do it through democratic means, um, put someone else in place who shares your values more than the people that made these decisions.
1: Yeah, it's kind of beautiful to see that movement. Like the people are like, we've had enough. And you see people who would never get involved just starts, it like melts my heart. It's really, really cool to see. And I think... I think it's more widespread than we probably know because a lot of it's not really covered. You know what I mean? So um it's really great. Um So Jay, I really, really appreciate you coming out. Where can people, uh where, where's the best place to find you?
0: I'm still quite active on Twitter. I, I weirdly find it very, very fun. Um It's so dr <laughs> the letter J, Bhattacharya, B H A T every third letters in A. So D R J Bhattacharya, B H A T T A C H A R Y A. So on Twitter, I'm I'm probably too active on Twitter than I should. Be, I guess, I guess <laughs> the so tweets are be...
1: getting good; they're getting spicy for sure. I'll, I'll link that in the in the show notes below, so you guys can and gals can follow him. Um, so, Dr. Bhattacharya, I really, really appreciate you coming on, especially on pretty short notice. So, uh, thank you, and um, I hope this was helpful to anyone listening. So, thanks again.
0: It's a delight to talk with you, and thanks for having me on.
1: All right, thanks. Bye.